Romans chapter 6. Well, good evening to everybody. We're glad you're here. Good to see you here with us. God bless you. Uh, take just a second, look around. You'll see we have a, a good turnout tonight. Good to have you here. Glad to have all of you here. How many here are teachers in the church or Sunday school teachers? Let me see your hand. Good. You folks did a good job because we've got a good turnout tonight. So I think we'll be able to keep you in the church for a while. Let me remind you about tomorrow night. Tomorrow night in the service, I'll be privileged to preach. But Mary will sing a special that you'll really enjoy because she'll sing it on her hands Actually, my daughter-in-law will be singing. You'll hear her, but you'll see Mary singing. And it will be beautifully done uh, tomorrow night. Sign language and singing in signs is a matter of grace and uh, rhythm. And it really, it really is something beautiful to see. So I'm anxious for you to see that. Then, also tomorrow night, we'll be showing a DVD of... A Deaf Week at Bill Rice Ranch is not lengthy, it'll be brief, but you'll see what it's like when deaf young people come to the ranch. I think it'll give you a heart for the ministry that God's raised up there. So um, I'm anxious for you to see that. How many here are 10 years old or younger? Can I see your hand? Okay. All right, now look, if you're 10 or younger, look at me. Everybody look right here. Put your hands down, look right this way. Two things. I want you to be real good during the service tonight. I want you to listen real well so that when you get home, you can explain to your mom and dad what I said. You can explain it. Maybe a little deep for them, but you can explain it. And I want everybody here who's 10 years old or younger not to leave the service while I'm preaching. Now, I'm not going to speak long. But what I have to say is important, so don't go, don't get up to get a drink of water, don't go to the restroom, and if your dad or mom stands up to leave, you just remind them to sit down, all right, in the service while I'm preaching. You got Romans 6, verse 23, the last verse in the chapter. Out of respect to the Bible, let's just stand as we read. Would that be all right? Romans 6.23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, help tonight as we look to the Bible to see what you've said. Help me as I speak, be with my friends as they listen, and may this be a profitable time to us as we submit ourselves to the truth of your word, the Bible, I pray. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible is a book of contrast. And you cannot read the Word of God without seeing immediately great contrast in the Bible. For example, in the very opening pages of the Bible, you have Christ contrasted with Satan where in a prophetic statement the Bible says that while Satan will bruise the heel of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus will crush the head of Satan. That actually happened on the cross. In Exodus, you have God's people contrasted with the people of the world, the Egyptians. 
In Leviticus, you have God's law and man's will. Later in the Bible, in James, you have law contrasted with faith. And in the book of the Revelation, you have man's design contrasted with God's will. But you know what? It may be that Romans 6.23 has the greatest contrast in all of the Bible. Look at it. You see God contrasted with sin. You see God's gift contrasted with sin's wage. And you see God's gift, which is life, contrasted with sin's wage, which is death. Now look at it. On one side you have God. On the other side you have sin. On one side you have God's gift. On the other side you have sin's wage. And then you see God's gift, which is life, and sin's wage, which is death. Now you know, the Bible teaches us that sin has a penalty or a wage, while God has a gift. And often we confuse wages and presents. Isn't that true? In other words, we often in our thinking confuse what one earns with what one simply receives. For example, how many parents here have ever said to your children, if you'll be good, I'll get you so-and-so at Christmas time. Have you ever said that? If you'll be good, I'll get you this gift. Now, I used to think when I was a kid, if it's a gift, why do I have to be good to get it? Now, doesn't that make sense? Isn't it amazing how we often confuse those things? Several years ago, Mary and I were on a trip of Bible lands. And there are about 20 people. We actually went with my parents. There are about 20 people on this trip. Maybe, maybe 25. And one of the cities that we went to en route to the Middle East was Paris. We went to Paris, France. The only time I've been there. And we were there a couple of days. And while we were there one day, we got up in the morning at the hotel, and several of us wanted to go see the Louvre. It wasn't, it wasn't on the schedule for the day, but we wanted to see, it's a famous, you know this, museum and uh, whatever, the Louvre. So we went out and got on a bus. I don't remember how many of us there were. I know there were probably six or eight, but there were four of us that were seated together. The seats faced each other. So Mary and I were sitting here. I was on the aisle. Mary was here facing the back of the bus. And friends of ours were sitting across from us facing the front of the bus. You got the picture? And we were talking and I looked up, I looked up here on the top of the bus and there were, there was a map of Paris and on the map I could see the Louvre, the famous museum. Well, we didn't know how to get there and we didn't know where to, to get off the bus. So I was talking to my three friends and I was gesturing and I was pointing up at the map and I was saying, that's where the Louvre is and I think that's where we get off. Well, evidently, I upset a lady on the back of the bus. She was an older lady. I say older. She, she was younger than I am now, but at that time, 
She was ancient. She probably was about 60. And she was sitting on the back of the bus. Well, she was upset at me. And so she looked, when I sat back down, she looked at me and she went just like this. By the way, I'm not exaggerating this story. She went... Well, I said to Mary, I, I think a lady on the back of the bus is upset with me. No, no, Mary didn't see it. And our friends across, they didn't see it. Nobody saw it. Well, I, I couldn't help, you know, but look back again. So I looked back on the back of the bus. And a second time, that lady went, I, don't, I have no idea what she was saying. And if you do, don't tell me after the service. I, I want to stay happy. Well, we came to a bus stop, and I was sitting here, had my knee slightly extended into the aisle. And this lady was getting off, and so she got off, and she came up to where I was sitting, and she took her purse, a normal size lady's purse, about the size of the piano there, is about that size. And she took that purse, and twice she hit me on the knee with it. She just went... Thong, thong, like that. And I was in shock. I didn't have any idea what was happening. And she went up to the door of the bus and she turned back and looked at me one last time and just got off the bus. Well, of course, I was in shock. You know what Mary and my friends did? They began to laugh their heads off. In fact, I remember looking up at the bus driver. And you know that mirror the bus driver has? so we can watch everybody. That's one of his passengers. The bus driver was sitting up in the front of the bus. He had the steering wheel and was hunched over the steering wheel like that, <laughs> just laughing like that. I said to Mary later, I said, I don't know what in the world, I don't know why in the world that lady belted me with her purse. And my sweet wife said to me, well, I don't know exactly what it is either. And she said, I don't know how that lady knew what you deserved. But she knew what it was, and you got it. I said, nay, nay, sweet Mary, this was not a wage which I received. It was a gift. I did not earn it. I did not deserve it. I could not have warranted it. It was simply something that she freely gave to me out of the love in her heart. Now, the story is silly. It's true, but it's a little silly. But it does point up an important truth. And that is, there's a big difference between a wage and a gift. A gift is what you get at Christmas time. A wage is what you get after working 30 or 35 hours or 40, 40 hours at your job. Now the Bible says, sin has a wage. God has a gift. Now, why would it be important for you and me to think for a few moments about sin's wage? Well, it's important because all of us are by nature sinners. We're all sinners. And the Bible teaches that clearly. The Bible says in this same book, the wages of sin is death. The Bible says here, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In fact, in the third chapter of Romans, the Bible lists sins of which mankind is guilty. And if you took the Ten Commandments, which of the Ten Commandments would you be innocent of? 
You know, the Bible says, for example, we're not to lie. Suppose I ask tonight, how many people in this room have never lied? Now, I'm not asking, so don't respond. But suppose I ask, how many people in this room have never lied? If you raised your hand, wouldn't that be your first one? I mean, isn't it true that all of us have lied? Here's an interesting one. The Bible says we are not to covet. Now, somebody says to covet means to want. That's not what it means. It's not wrong to want things. The idea of covetousness is the itch for more. In other words, it's the idea, if I just had something more, then I would be satisfied or I would be happy. See, it's the idea that my satisfaction doesn't come from God. Uh, For example, the Bible says, uh, having food and raiment, we are to be therewith content. But when you get the idea that, you know, just having what God has provided for me, if I just had that house, if I just had that car, if I just had that suit, if I just had that personality, if I just had that income, then I'd be fine. See, that's a sin. That's a sin that's easy to fall into. And the Bible teaches that we are all sinners. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We are, as a group, people whose nature is sinful. I trusted Christ, I was saved, when I was just a youngster, before I was five, actually. And so I've known the Lord Jesus for many, many years. But do you know the old man, the original nature with which I was born is no better today than it was when I was almost five? See, all of us are sinners. And the Bible says that sin has a wage, and that wage is death. Now, it is a reference to separation from God forever and ever in a place called hell. In Luke 16, Jesus himself told the story of a rich man who died and went to hell because he had never trusted Christ, and of a poor man who, having trusted in Christ, when he died, went to glory, went to heaven. The Bible says, And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died, and was buried, and in hell lift up his eyes, being in torments. And see, if Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And sent Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Now that true story... That actual event which took place is an illustration of the wage of sin. In other words, it is what every person in this room tonight, by your sinful nature, deserves or has earned. See, the wages of sin is death. Now, I'll tell you the truth. If the Bible ended there, that's true. It is true, the wages of sin is death. But if the Bible ended there, I would never preach the verse. Because if we're all sinners, 
And if the result of our sin is death, separation from God, and hell forever, why simply be reminded of that fact if there's no hope? But the Bible doesn't end there. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the Bible says that God is a gift, and God's gift is eternal life. And it says it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, why, why would the Bible say that God is a gift, and it's, it's eternal life, but that it's through Christ? Well, let me tell you why. Because a gift is always free to the person who receives it. But a gift must be paid for by someone. In other words, if I receive a gift, it's free to me. But if I receive a gift, the person from whom I receive it had to pay for it. Now that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. So that the Bible teaches that the gift of heaven is in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And the reason it's in Christ is because He earned it in my stead. See, I'm a sinner. I deserve the judgment of sin. Jesus Christ came to this earth, God in flesh. Never sinned. Never did anything He should not have done. Never left undone anything He should have done. He was the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. But the Bible says that Christ died. Well, wait a minute. I thought death was the result of sin. It is. Well, I thought Christ had no sin. He didn't. Christ did not die because of His sin. He died because of mine. He was the perfect sacrifice. He died in my place. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ, now listen, died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, and that all of this was done according to the Scriptures, and it was done in my stead. In other words, it was done for me. Look, look. It is not simply that Christ died. It is not simply that Christ died and was buried. It's not simply that Christ died, was buried, and rose again. It is that when Christ died, and when He was buried, and when He rose again, He did so for me. He died in my place. He paid the penalty for my sin. So that I can come to Christ and receive Christ, and thereby receive the gift of eternal life. John 1.12 says, But to as many as received Him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even of them that believe on His name. So what does it mean to receive Christ? Well, in John 1.12, to receive Christ and to believe on Christ are used interchangeably. They're both used to say the same thing. In other words, if I believe on Jesus, it means I receive Him. And if I receive Him, it means I believe on Him. So what does believe on Him and receive Him, what, what do they mean? 
Well, it means to trust in. It means to rely upon. It means to rest in Christ to do for me what I cannot do for myself. It means I, I come to God and I say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that the wages of sin is death. But I believe that Christ died in my stead, offers to me eternal life, and that if I'll trust Him, if I'll receive Him, if I'll believe in Him, I'll have eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, and all of this is through Christ. Now, none of this will do you any good unless you recognize that your sin separates you from God. By the way, it does before salvation and after you become a child of God and have sins forgiven so that you can go to heaven, sin still comes between you and the holiness of God. Now that can be taken care of, but the point is it still exists. So it'll do you no good unless you understand, I'm a sinner, I can't save me, salvation is a gift, and if I trust in Christ, I can have eternal life. The Bible does not say that if as a sinner I will trust the church, I can have eternal life. It doesn't say if I can trust the Bible, I can have eternal life. Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. Listen to this. But they are they which tell of me. See, salvation is all in a person. It's all in the person of Christ. And the only way anybody can get to heaven is by saying, Dear God, I recognize I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus Christ died in my stead. And I'm trusting Him as my Savior right now. Now, have you ever done that? Have you ever trusted in Christ? You know, it's so easy for good people to be confused as to what is necessary to get to heaven. All of us need the gift of eternal life because none of us have earned heaven. And to all of us, the gift of eternal life is made available because the Bible says so. It says it's a gift. That while the wages of sin is death, God has a gift and God's gift is eternal life and it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the way one comes to God is through accepting the gift that Christ provided when He died on the cross in our stead. If someone were to ask you tonight, hey, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? What would the answer be? If someone were to say to you tonight, and let me, let me ask you a question. If you were to die 20 years from tonight, would you go to heaven? What would your answer be? In other words, do you know that you have eternal life because you know that you have the Son? And there came a day, a specific time in your life when you trusted the Lord Jesus to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Nothing on the face of this earth is more important than knowing you're on your way to heaven because you know you have the Son. And you can know you have the Son by simply trusting Him, by simply taking Him, by simply calling out or calling upon the Lord for your salvation. In other words, you say, God, I know I'm a sinner. 
I know I can't save me, but I believe Jesus Christ can. And I'm going to trust Him to do for me what I cannot do for myself. Suppose I stood at the back door tonight. I'm not going to do this, so don't, don't let me scare you. But suppose I did. Suppose I stood at the back door tonight, and suppose everybody that left the auditorium left through the back door. I suspect that's the way everybody will leave. Though I tried this door the other day, and you can get out that door, and you probably can this door, and you probably could get out any of the windows if you wanted to, but suppose, suppose as I suspect we will, everybody leaves through the back door. And suppose I'm standing there, and as you come through the back door, I just say to you, do you know you're going to heaven tonight? Have you accepted the gift of eternal life through Christ? What would your answer be? See, could, could you say, yes, I have trusted Christ, and therefore I have eternal life? Um, you know, if you said, well, I've, I, I say prayers, or well, I go to church, or well, I'm a member, or well, I believe in God, or well, I love the Bible, or well, I try to be kind to my fellow man. None of those things would do it. The question is, have you ever accepted Christ, trusted in Christ as Savior? Now look, if you haven't, you need to. If you haven't, you can. And if you need to, and you can, you need to and you can tonight. There's no reason to go home worried about, burdened over, concerned about whether or not you're going to heaven. Because eternal life can be yours through simple faith in Christ. For every person in this room who knows his sins are forgiven and who knows he's on his way to heaven, he knows that because he's trusted in Christ. You can know it too if you'll trust the Savior in whom others have trusted. Let's bow for prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. You know, if salvation is a gift that comes because I've trusted in Christ, then people ought to know that. You should know it. Your friends should know it. And the business of telling people how to get to heaven ought to be paramount in your life, whoever you are. Let me, let me ask you a couple of questions, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone. We won't have any music for a few moments. I'm going to ask the pastor to stand with me, and I'll ask a couple of questions, and I'm going to ask you to respond if you don't mind. If you're here tonight and you'd say, Bill, I cannot say I know I have eternal life. I cannot say I've trusted in Christ, but I know I need to and I want to. And you'd say, pray for me. You may be a youngster, you may be a teenager, you may be an adult, you may be a man, you may be a lady. You're here tonight and you'd say, Bill, I cannot say I've trusted in Christ. I cannot say I've ever believed in Him. I need to and I want to. And you'd say, pray with me and for me, please. Would you slip a hand up where you're seated? Right this second. Just slip a hand up until I see it. Then you can put it back down. Would you do that? Preacher, I cannot say I know I have eternal life. I can't say I know I'm on my way to heaven. I want to know that. I need to know it. Pray for me. Would you slip a hand up where you're seated? Just, just quickly, where you're seated. Slip it up until I see it and then put it down. Let me wait just a moment. Let me wait just a moment. How, how many people here 
you won't be embarrassed, could say, Bill, I may not be all I should be or all I'd like to be, but I have trusted Christ, I have been saved, I am on my way to heaven, and I really am certain of that. Would you mind slipping a hand up where you're seated? Hold them real high, would you please? Real high, just where you're seated. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. You can put them down. Thank you. Wonderful. Now, have I missed anyone? Is there anyone else who could say, I can't say that. I'd like to know it. Pray with me and for me. Anybody else? Anyone else at all? Let me wait just a second. Preacher, I can't say that. God bless you, youngster. Yes, sir. God bless you. God bless both of you. That's fine. Anybody else? Anyone else at all? I can't say I've trusted Christ. I know I need to. I want to. God bless you. I see it, son. You can put it down. That's good. Anyone else? Okay. One more question. How many people here would say, you know, Brother Bill, when I hear the gospel in its genuine simplicity, it reminds me that I need to be telling people about this. And I'm ashamed to say I don't. I've not been witnessing or telling people. You know, and stop and ask yourself, in the last year, not the last month, not the last week, not the last two days, in the last year, have you told anyone how they can know they're on their way to heaven? And you just say, Brother Bill, when I hear the gospel in its simplicity, it just reminds me that I need to tell people about how to get to heaven. I've not been doing that. It's embarrassing to me. But it's the truth. I want to and I want tonight to be a turning point in my life. I want to leave this place committed to telling people how to get to heaven. Would you slip a hand up where you're seated? Until I see it, God bless you. Yes, and you, and you. Good, and you. Any others? God spoke to my heart. Yes, good. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else at all? Yes, God bless you. Good, that's fine. Anyone else? Okay, you want to look this way? Everybody look right here, would you please? Look right here. Everybody look right this way. And here's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to have a word of prayer. And if you raise your hand, I'd like to encourage you to pray where you are. 